0: Buenos días. Bienvenidos a la Iglesia de vida. Ah, uh-huh. I looked that up on Google right before I walked up, so um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't. So how are y'all doing? Uh, um, so a couple of things before we get started. I think that Mo is a super spreader himself because he's hugging everyone, like everywhere. He's just hugging everyone. So I'm not sure if I'm not sure I'm supposed to say that. You can still hug Mo. He probably doesn't have any diseases, that many diseases. Uh, also, uh, the, uh, um, uh, tonight, last year we had, I've said this a bunch of times, this is probably the last time, last year we had so many people here. Uh, the community was, uh, was touched, and uh, it was fantastic. We had 100% uh, participation with all of our uh, people from our church, so don't ruin our streak. We, we went one year in a row with everybody from the church help. So just come, show up tonight. Even if you just walk around and see what's going on, it's going to be great. Okay? Yes. All right. If you don't know what Fall Fest is, you can ask somebody as soon as church is over. Uh, so um, I asked you a few weeks ago to be praying about what is next for the, like, the next building. So I just want you to keep praying because we... A building opened up that was a church that's bigger than this, and uh, it looks like uh, it's it's looking good right now. So if you can just be praying that that it would be beneficial to us and beneficial to the people that own the building, so that everyone's blessed in the process, if you can just be praying about that, uh, it's very exciting. Okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, uh, y'all are clapping, but uh, it's it's going to be real exciting to not have to set this building up. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, it's just going to be set up, so it'll be, be super awesome. So uh, we are in a uh, a thing where the clicker never works. Let me see. That's why I bought this over here so that I could just do this, but this doesn't work either. So did it work? No, y'all, you you went way too far. It's, I did went way too far. Uh, so last week. Or two weeks ago, we started the Gospel of John. We're going to go through. For those of you that don't know, we go through uh, books of the Bible, and we we go through it verse by verse. So um, I do that so that because there's a lot of things that we wouldn't talk about necessarily because they're difficult. Um, and it would be easier to skip over some parts that are the difficult parts. Uh, but if we go through verse by verse, then I can't skip anything. Y'all can be like, hey, you skipped this part that was really hard to talk about. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to talk about that. So I can't do that because, trust me, y'all will hold me to it. And I'll get emails and, and messages, and it'll, be, it'll just be great. I just love that. So uh, I, I need you to, to brace yourself a little bit. There's a little bit of confrontation uh, coming for, it's going to be get a little personal uh, for some of you, which is apparently, I don't know why y'all keep coming back. Like, I honestly don't, because I'm not very nice when I'm preaching. All the other time, I'm a pretty nice guy, but when I'm preaching, I'm, <laughs> to, to most of you, I'm a pretty nice guy, uh, but when I'm preaching, I'm not. So last week we, or a few weeks ago, we started the prologue, which is the first 18 verses, and it's kind of the the scrolling text at the beginning of Star Wars, where you kind of this is where we are in this story. And so uh, Luke is on the planet of Tatooine, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. So John is talking about how uh, he's declaring a new creation, and. And you are the recreation. You are re- recreated. And so now as we, as we go on to... Today we're going to cover John chapter 1, t- verse 24 through 28. I did it in first service. We're going to do it in second service. It's going to be great. We actually covered all those verses. It's a whole bunch. Four uh, or five. Uh, so um, as we, as we uh, dive into this, We're going to see some of the the first people that are responding to John the Baptist and and how they responded. So uh, let's jump in. Chapter 1, verse 24 says, now they, now I got to explain something here. This is the reason we don't get through very far because this is two words and it's going to be like the next 20 minutes. I'm going to talk about these two words. So uh, I am, I, I was a youth pastor for many years and so it's more important to me to get you to... To, I, I want to explain to you what's going on in the story. I want you to, to understand how to think versus me just telling you, hey, this is how you should think about this. I want you to understand um, why we think the way we do, and it's the context really, really matters. Uh, when you're reading a Bible story, if you see Bible verses, you've seen um, people quote John. I mean, uh, people quote uh, Philippians four thirteen, right? I see that on like Letterman jackets, Philippians four thirteen. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And people love that verse. It's like, hey, they'll be in the huddle before the football game, and they'll be like, hey, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And they're like, yeah, we can do it. What about the other team? Does Christ strengthen them too? Like, what's up with that? Like, it's not, like you got Jesus on your side, but not the bad guys. So uh, th- when they take verses, you can take all kinds of verses out of context. It, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know that verse is talking to a captive people? And that verse is saying, look, God has plans for you, but for the next 70 years, you're going to basically be in prison. Awesome. Like, sign me up. Like Philippians 4.13, the reason Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is literally saying, look, I have lived dirt poor. I've lived with a bunch. I've lived with plenty and with nothing. I, I, I just have learned this thing where I just need to be content with whatever God has for me in this season. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's not the thing you want to put on the letterman jacket. Like, you don't want to be celebrating like, look, it's going to be really hard, it's going to be really tough, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. you got to have the context. If you have the context, the verse matters. And so when you see a verse... Don't just assume that that verse means what it looks like it says. It's in the context of a story. And so when we look at the context of the story here, we see that, um, that he says, Now they, who is they? That sounds good English there, right? Who is they? Who is they be? They, if you go back a few verses in verse 19, they are the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem. So who were the priests and Levites? John the Baptist is out here in the wilderness and he is, even though he's not really allowed to, he's out there baptizing. And these leaders come from Jerusalem because they're like, something's going on here and we got to snuff this out. Um, the leaders had all the power in the society. And so they're like, we can't, we can't allow this. Something, something's going on. People are going out to see the celebrity pastor, John the Baptist, and we got to stop this where it, where it stands before it gets too big. And so they felt threatened. Let me tell you, the youth group that I, uh, I had the privilege to lead for many years, most of the time I was, I was a youth pastor, the teen, there was between 200 and 300 teenagers in there. And these were not church kids. There were a few church kids, but they were not mostly church kids. They were mostly, I'm not exaggerating, mostly gang members, kids from the community. They had no understanding of who God was or how to act in church. They had, uh, there were several times where we had fights. Literally one time, worship is going on, okay? And they're jumping up and down in the front, and they're just excited. And one kid elbowed another kid during worship, and they got into a fight, okay? They're rolling around on the ground, and we're like, oh, look, at they're all, like, they're really excited up there in front, and they weren't, they were punching each other. So we've had, we had stabbings, people stabbed at church, we've had, we had attempted sexual assaults, and the... (laughs) and all kinds of really nasty miserable when the police in town were looking for a teenager on Wednesdays they would come to our church because they knew those kids are probably there and more so many times the police would pull up and then we would be out, everybody's outside playing and the the kids some kids would run into the woods and we're like they're going that way get them <laughs> like it, it was messy very very messy And I had a parent of one of our church homeschool kids, church kid, and uh, and I encourage the the homeschool thing, but he came to me and he's like, look, my daughter is a precious flower, and I cannot let her come to your youth group where there are thugs. And I'm like, okay, bye. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll tell all those kids that the only hours they feel safe in the week is when they're at church. I'll tell them, hey, look. Some guy's precious flower doesn't feel safe when you're around. So can y'all stop coming here? No, I'm not going to do that. I don't care about you. You're, you're saved. Your daughter's saved. I don't care about you. Go away. I did literally say those words. Um, I shouldn't have. Like, I, need, I repented after. So, uh, but it's like, we're, we don't exist. The church doesn't exist for those people. Like they were religious people that had this mindset of this is the way it's supposed to be done. I had teachers come to me at the school and say, I would, love to, I would love to let my kids come to your church because we like you, but there's thugs there and we're not letting them go there. I said, but you let your kids go to school. It makes no sense. You let your kids go to Walmart and y'all know there's thugs in Walmart. <laughs> you let your kids go everywhere else, but just not church where they, it was one of the safest places you could be because... For the most part, it was uh, the gang territory didn't matter there. We had people there. I had several pictures of rival gang members standing next to each other in the front with their hands raised, like in opposite gangs. And they're, just, they're, they're really like just, they want to seek the Lord. Uh, one time we, I got so frustrated because there are things that you have to deal with, like very frustrating things that you have to deal with. Like I took marijuana off of a 10-year-old. At church, like there were drugs all the time. And there's just things I I get frustrated in seasons. And so I put these cards out on the seats and I'm like, right on here, why you come to church. And I'm totally expecting, like, girls are hot or, you know, like food yummy or, you know, some. And for the most part, that's how most of the answers were. Like, my friends are here, so I come here. Uh, But there were a couple that said, the only time I feel safe in my entire week is when I'm here in this building. Like, I would do it all again. Like, that's what kept me going. That's the kind of church I want us to be. Do you understand? Like, I, I don't... Y'all are pretty. Y'all are nice. Like, I love being around y'all. But I want some people in here that I'm like, I feel a little uncomfortable around. Like, I feel like, oh, is this person going to stab me or... Are they gonna? Like, I, I want that. And if you're uncomfortable with that, it's fine. This this maybe isn't a place for everyone, and I'm fine with that. Uh, for some of you, if you try to leave, I'm going to tackle you on your way out. But for some of you, maybe this isn't a church for you. It's fine. So anyway, back to the story. So the leaders are... The leaders see that something is going on and the, the religious leaders and they want to stop it because it's not them doing it and it's not their way. So they sent, the, they sent these Pharisees and these religious people. These, the Pharisees were like these Bible scholars. They were the, the religious elite. And now whenever we think of Pharisees, we think, well, those guys were bad. They weren't necessarily bad. They were doing what they thought was best because the Pharisees were these like they were all about the rules. Yeah, do y'all have anybody in your life that's all about the rules? Uh, there's someone that lives in my house that's like that. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's not John. Uh, so the, <laughs> Ch- Jessica, my wife, is all about the rules. And I am too. <laughs> but she really is all about the rules. So these, these uh, Pharisees were all about the rules. And so they thought that if we can get the Jewish people to live out, live the right way, then the Messiah will come. And so they're, for the most part, their intentions were good. Now, there were some that obviously weren't, but uh, that were just seeking power. But they, they wanted to follow the letter of the law. And so they acted like they had never done anything wrong. Like they were holy and nobody else was. They were good. You ever around people like that? They're like, they, they're just, like this person is so good. They probably never said a cuss word. They probably never farted ever. And like, you're just like, I can't be around people like this. So they have religious, like these upper echelon people that they sent. It's okay if y'all know somebody like that. It's fine. So the Pharisees came and they snuffed out, uh, they, were, they were trying to snuff out Uh, The relationship with God. That's what happens whenever you just try to follow the rules and you're going to fail. And so if you fail, then you feel like, well, I'm not good enough. And the Pharisees were saying, yeah, you're right. You're not good enough. So you need to try harder. And it's not about that. Like it's not about following a list of rules. Now there are rules, obviously, that we should follow, but that's not what the main thing is. And so um, I know like for us, this can happen to us. Like this can happen to you Christians. This can happen to you where you get into a spot where you're where you feel like I got to follow these rules. And so you start pushing your own beliefs onto other people. Uh, so Life Church like it's it's not really I know our style is not for everyone um, that some people want a more polished and professional presentation. And if that's you like, you're in the wrong place. Like, I'm okay with it. So I have, like, I. this is what I say to you. If you're wanting a polished presentation, then, (laughs) like, that's for you. Somebody want to take a picture? That's not for you. Like, this place isn't for you, and it's fine. Like, go, because This, the screen's probably not going to work the whole time during service today. We're going to, the speakers are going to crackle. I'm going to say many things that I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, I need to repent and get Jesus, more Jesus. So it's fine. If it's for somebody else, not for you, then it's fine. It's like, just, just go somewhere else and get somewhere where you can be fed, where you, you're not distracted. Some people are distracted by the technical difficulties. Some people have literally told me, this, as soon as you stop having technical difficulties, I'm gone. So fortunately, you have a solid standing here. So, uh, so anyway, all right. So, so JTB is out here doing his thing. Uh, that's John the Baptist right, doing his thing, and the Pharisees are trying to shut it down because uh, John the Baptist is not the orthodox kind of guy. He's, he's quoting The Office, and he's quoting Star Wars during his sermons, and so uh, it's easy to become legalistic and get distracted, um, and th- so the Pharisees are these people that are, are, are really honed in on the law. The law is not bad. It's not bad to know the Bible and to try to live by the Bible. But instead of using it for, the, for a lot of the, of the Pharisees, instead of using it to draw people into a relationship saying, look, you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus, because you can't live by the law. They would take the law, and they would whack-a-mole people over the head with it, and they would say, look, you can't, you're, you're bad. You're evil. You're terrible. And they would use the law to keep people oppressed. And that is not good. I can prove to you that you do this. So this is where you... Christian that's listening to my voice have become legalistic. You know the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. So tell me how many times this week you prayed for the person who is president. It's so hard. It's so Look, I'm preaching to Randy here. It's so hard because I'm like, well, he ain't our president because he didn't win legal votes. <clears throat> like, <laughs> I know y'all are with me on this, so even if that's true, we're supposed to pray for him, and we don't, because we don't like him, because he does things that we're like, you are evil, you just need to go back to your father who is Satan, and, go-. and we're supposed to pray for our leaders, Randy, I am supposed to pray for our leaders, and I get into this spot where I'm like, well, they just need to be put in their place. What if I judge myself by that same standard? That's personal now. Like, what if you judge yourself by the same standard? You're not perfect. You're not doing it all right. So there's a danger of us becoming Pharisaical. Um, Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious leaders, that prostitutes would enter heaven before they would. Like, that's painful. When Jesus says, hey, look, you think you got it all down? Those people that are living on the streets, they got it down. Like, they just are coming to seek me without any pretense, without any, any thought of that they're worthy. They just want me. And it's not about appearance or perf- of this appearance of perfection. The church is not a country club. The church is a hospital for broken, messed-up sinners. Now, when you come and you give your heart to the Lord, you should start working on that repentance and that becoming better, becoming someone who is getting rid of the junk in your life and you're starting to try to, to fix the things and start to allow Jesus to mold you into the, a follower of him. And so we exist for people that need second and third and 99 billion chances. Like that's what we're here for. It's not about you and and what you think so i start talking about like people that are religious and pharisees and some people are like yeah get them like get them cuz that's not me you need to start with you because you are religious and pharisaical and in, in many ways um think about this someone that uh, that opposes your views you think is that well they're wrong like i have an opinion i have thoughts that i think this is right and those other people that have the other views they're wrong and i can I can prove it by the Bible, and so can they. Like, whatever your stance is on a thing, that you're using the Bible to back you, the person that has the exact opposite stance can probably, in most cases, can use the Bible to back them. And so, but you're right, right? You're right. You have the answers. You know something nobody else knows. Like, you got it. People believe what they believe to a Pharisaical level And it destroys their heart and their their heart turns to hate towards Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Fauci. I can almost not say the name. (laughs) Like, see, like I'm I'm guilty. Like guilty. I, I have to daily repent and pray. Because I think my way is righteous. I think my way is right. And that's not what it's about about his way and his word and his word is what we stand on for truth and where our opinions our opinions don't line up with what the word says we have to change our opinions every single time because the word's not changing right so make sure that your heart doesn't turn cold towards others and you start demonizing the other side whatever the other side is how can you take the vaccine don't you know the government's trying to control us don't you know they're putting microchips in your arm? Don't you know that it's changing your DNA? Don't you know that, that, that the, you're going to turn into a lizard person? For sure. You're, that's alien stuff that's going into your... You, don't you know all these things? Like, I, I know... You're not as informed as I am. I know some things that you don't know. You're not as smart as me. I have information that you don't have. And then you have the other side who's saying the same... They're, they're flippant. How can you be a Christian and not take the vaccine? Don't you know that people are dying? Don't you know that, do you care about old people at all? Like you're just trying to kill old people. Aren't, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. A Christian would definitely do everything they can to take care of the people around them. I have information that you don't You're just not as smart as me. Like I know some stuff that you don't know. And still today, it's causing division in the church. These are secondary things. I am not saying by any stretch that what you believe about these things is not important. It is important, but it's not of first importance. Mm, I'm going to say that again, and I need you to say amen so that I know that you're with me. What you believe about the vaccine and about COVID and about what's going on in the world is important, but it's not of first importance. it's secondary, these are secondary questions about behavior within the body of Christ. But it's, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, Paul said it like this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. The gospel is of first importance, whether somebody knows Jesus or not. That Jesus died for your sins and rose again so that you could, your relationship with God could be redeemed. That's what should be at the center doesn't mean the other things aren't important. It just means they're not most important. And when those other things get in the way of what's most important, you've got to drop the other things. You got to get rid of them. You got to shut your mouth. Like that's what you have to do. You have to. Or else that you 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 preach about the, the vaccine and you miss preaching about the gospel. Or you preach about the vaccine and then you preach about the gospel and nobody's hearing anything you're saying. Because they're like, you're one of those loons. Like you, you. They can't hear anything because they've muted you. Your story's not even showing up in their feed anymore because it's muted. Your words are not hitting their ears because your voice is muted because you chose to die on the wrong hill. Do you understand? So someone's view on vaccines or how they're gonna behave during COVID is not what's gonna get them into heaven. You know that you can die and go to heaven with the vaccine, you can die and go to heaven without the vaccine. But you can't die and go to heaven without Jesus. So it's important, but it's of secondary importance because it's not a gospel issue. What I'm seeing is people, even in our church, know far more about these things than they know about the gospel. They know more about antibodies than the body. They know more about, about uh and Wuhan and the CDC and and vaccine mandates than they know about what the Lord spoke to them this morning in their quiet time. Like they're talking about that and they're not talking about God. So it's important. You you, You fight and fight and fight to get someone to believe your side of these particular debates and they can still die and go to hell. That's not of most importance. So that's not what the church is about. We obviously, y'all know I'm very, very uh, plugged into to culture because I, I find it a, it's a holy responsibility for me uh, to help interpret culture, uh, but it's not, it's not more important than interpreting the Word. And uh, while I'm on it, let me just make you a little bit more uncomfortable. Church isn't about you. And what I've seen, and if you're someone in the room right now and you've done this or you... Uh, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about in general, okay? So if you feel personally attacked, then good, change your heart. So um, (laughs) many, many times someone has said, look, I miss church, but I'm just going to watch online. And there are times where you have to do that. I understand. That's why we do this service. We also do this service, the online service, so that you online uh, that are maybe not able to come to the church because you live far away, it's for you. Like, it's so you can be part of our, our, our church. But the ch- church isn't about transmitting information to you. If it was just about transmitting information to you, let's just make a, an email list, and then we'll be done. It's way less work. I'll just write out all the information, and I'll email it to you. But that's not what it's about. The church is about us connecting with each other. Look, I need your face here. Even if you're, like, have an angry face, even if you're one of those mean people that's that sits there and you're like angry all the time, I need to see your face. I need to hear your words. I don't know how to communicate this clearly enough that that we need you. I need you. I need you here. I need you I need you to connect with us. I need the church is about it isn't about transmitting information, it's about you connecting with us and us edifying each other and building each other up. And, and your presence alone does that in a in a great way. And so you bless me and you bless the people sitting around you just by sitting in the chair. Whenever, I mean, think about it. Whenever you come into church and you see, like, look how many people are here. This is awesome. Like when you see there's a lot of people here, like my heart leaps within me because I'm like, oh, we're doing something. Like we're doing something. We're doing what God has called us to do. If all of you are sitting at home watching online, you're going to get the information. But we're not going to feel your presence. We're not going to feel like you're part of, we're part of a thing that we're doing together, right? So keep coming to church. All right. So look, we're going to move on from the first two words. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? Baptism was a symbol uh, that you were becoming A Jew. So you go from Gentile to Jew. Uh, John's ministry, it's a beautiful thing. John's ministry was for Gentiles to become Jews. He wasn't preaching. Basically, I'm saying John's ministry, John the Baptist's ministry, was not for church people, it was for non church people. So, which is my heart all about. So, but this uh, this baptism that, that they they did at this time was like this it was like almost a clinical procedure. They would go into the, the uh, this purification baptism they would go into the synagogue it 's like this bathhouse area, and they would strip down and they would literally baptize them after they bathed they would baptize them naked and I think if we did that out here in the river, you know how many people would be lined up on that bridge watching our baptisms like they'd be up there with the binoculars like Long lens cameras so like <laughs> anyway, we're not gonna do that. You weirdos. <laughs> like y'all were way too into that, like immediately. As soon as I said that, you're like, Yeah, hallelujah. Like, <laughs> y'all need y'all need some Jesus. So anyway, so baptism it's, it, all that to say, baptisms didn't start, baptism didn't start with Christianity, but Jesus flips the script like he loves to do, and he, he takes the thing. That they were doing, and he flips it, and he's like, look, this I'm fulfilling this. Like, this is something. You, you're being baptized in, for repentance, but you're going to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're going to be ba- baptized in Jesus' name, and now something else is going on. You, you went from becoming, you were a Gentile, meaning someone outside of the Jewish culture, and you got baptized, and you became a Jew, and he's like, no, when you get baptized, you're, you're you. And then when you come, you go into the water, you come out of the water, now you're a new creation. Now you're, you're part of me. And it's something so much bigger. In the first century, there was no such thing as a Christian who was not baptized. This was their altar call. You know how we, we do the thing where we're like, all right, if anybody in here wants to know Jesus, everybody bow your head and close your eyes and we'll just, just raise your hand up. This baptizing someone was them raising their hand up. It's, when you raise your hand, it's not this physical movement that saves you. You know that, right? It's the, what's going on in your heart. And so it's the same with baptism. Getting dunked in water doesn't save you. It doesn't make you a Christian. It it's a symbol, more than a symbol, but a symbol that shows. Look, I'm I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And, And so that's what baptism was in the first century. And so it's saying, I've shifted my allegiance away from the way I'm living, and now I'm going to live this new life that I've been given in Christ. But what we like to do in in church today, the reason people get saved and they don't get baptized is because we numb it down or we dumb it down, baptism into, well, it's just a symbol. It's, it's, It's so much more than a symbol. Um, and I know this because th- this is a sermon that you when, you, when you get baptized, it's a sermon that you're saying to the world, they say, I've moved from my old life and I've moved to this new life. People get baptized, and after they get baptized, when someone gets baptized, I pray for them a lot right after they get baptized because I know there's a spiritual attack coming because they have decided to follow Jesus. And when that happens, your enemy says, Oh no, we can't let that happen. Like, so they'll send attacks. And if you remember when you got baptized and you meant it, what happened in that following week was probably difficult because spiritual attacks come. Because the enemy, your enemy, wants to make you impotent and let you have no power in your life to do the things that God's called you to do, but you have decided that you're going to live in this new life. And so there's temptations that come up, and and it's so much more than just this symbol of saying, Hey, look, look at that. That's cute. It's more than just getting your clothes wet. It's, it's symbolizing, it's more than symbolizing that, that you're from now on you're going to try harder. That's not what it's about. There's something spiritual going on here. And in Romans 6, Paul said, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the, the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in baptism, we die. This is where we die. You are gone. If that's true, then why do we go back? Why is it that after we get baptized, we, we still go back to the old life? In many ways, we go and we're like, we let go of all of our junk and then we're walking with the Lord and we're going our, this way that we know God has called us to go. And then we're like... I miss my old junk that was holding me down and and preventing me from living in fullness. So I'm gonna go back and get that. And you don't have to. You do, but you don't have to. Because you know. Remember when Neo's sitting in the car and the door opens and he's like, I'm getting out of here. And and they look down the road and she says, you know where that road leads. And that's not the future. Y'all know I'm talking about the Matrix, just to be clear. I don't know what y'all know. John's probably never seen it. Uh, and so you know where that road leads. You know what that old junk that you let go of, you know what that gets you. So don't go pick it up. Just don't. You have the power. He gives you the power. So don't. So, all right. So why are they questioning John? John the Baptist's ministry was, was about Gentiles, um, and he's out there baptizing Gentiles and Jews. And uh the, the normal bathhouses, normally it's like this really clean, uh, clean thing that's going on. And JTB's out there doing the thing, and he's doing it in this muddy water of the Jordan River. This guy is like dreadlocks, hippie, dirty dreadlocks, and he's eating locusts and honey. And he's, he's, not, he's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He didn't graduate seminary with a degree. Uh, he's just, it's not formal. It's not cute. It's not safe. Uh, It's very unorthodox, and people are getting saved. It's it's beautiful because people are getting saved. It's not about the appearance of the thing. It's about what's going on in people's hearts. And it it was the wrong place, the wrong person, and the wrong time to the religious elite. So they come out, and they're like, hey, who do you think you are? You didn't go to Bible school like we did. Who do you think you are? You're not one of us, so you can't do that. Please, don't ever become one of those people that are going out and killing grace. You know, I can tell you, you do that sometimes. You know those people on the corners with the bullhorn? And they're like, repent or you're going to hell. And you're like, what is wrong with those people? And you condemn them. What if they do that for 20 years? And one person knows Jesus because of that. Is it worth it? Like, we're all like, yeah, of course it's worth it. Like, But you still will see them and be like, oh, I wish they would stop because that's weird. It makes me uncomfortable. Randy, me. It makes me uncomfortable, but not for the same reason. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, they're turning people away from God. What's that to me? Like, I don't think they're turning people away from God. I think people that don't know God look at them and be like, what a lunatic. Like, that's weird. The reason it affects me, the reason it bothers me is because, man, I wish I had that faith. What would I do if I was that bold in my obedience to God? What could God use me for if I was that bold in my obedience to God? Like Nothing could stop us. Nothing. And and we're like, some of us in the room don't have enough obedience to talk to your coworker about Fall Fest. We get scared about what? And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Oh, you're one of those, huh? They already don't like you. Like, I mean, what's, give them a reason, you know? So uh, we want to reach people, what we exist for, is we want to reach people that don't know Jesus yet. So they'd been, uh, th- he said, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. So they'd been trying to discern, this is really important, uh, part here. They've been trying to discern, I mean, it's all important, but this is really important. I've been trying to discern God's will for their, for like, is this God? Is, is what's going on here, is what John is doing this? Is this just some nut job out in the wilderness or is God doing a thing? Like here at Life Church, it's both. Like there's a nut job yelling at you, like just yelling at you. And, but also God is doing a thing here. And so, Discerning the will of God is very important to us. Um, but see, Christians want to know what God's will is in their life. They say, God, please speak to me about what I'm supposed to do in my finances. Speak to me about what I'm supposed to do in my marriage or in my business or in my relationships or in my parenting. And so they, they're, the Pharisees go out to John in the wilderness and they're like, All right, so are you Christ? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. So they're saying, well, then they're trying to figure out, is this this God or is this not God? Could it be that the direction that you are going in life is not God's will for you? Is it possible? All I'm asking is, is it possible? Um, I can tell you that according to the way that we live, we, myself included, according to the way we live, if somebody were to look and say, how does he spend his time? People would say, well, it's, it, God's will for his life is that he's comfortable, that he, uh, he lives that he's happy, and that he looks good on social media because that's what we spend our time doing. like we spend our time trying to make sure we 're comfortable, um, we work hard at it, and it, it seems to be what we think God's will for our life is that we're happy Look, god God does not care." even a little bit, about your happiness. Not even a little bit. He does not care if you're happy. He cares if you're obedient. And there's a huge difference. Are you happy when you're obedient? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes. Are you unhappy when you're obedient? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, because it's hard. It's hard to be obedient. But it's worth it. Always worth it. Nobody ever says, I've never heard someone in my entire life say, you know, I wish I had waited a little bit longer to start following Jesus with my whole heart. Every person says, what was I doing with my life before I did this? Like, where was this? This fulfillment was available to me all this time, and I just started. Why didn't I think of this when I was 15? But is it possible that the way you've been spending, your your phone will tell you how you spend your time. Like, look, you were on your phone for eleven hours yesterday. Nine of them were Instagram. <laughs> That's a lot of Instagram time. I just let me tell you, nine hours is a lot. The will of God conversation is one, is one we think we can look into this. Like we want the crystal ball. We want to look at the clouds and say, God, what is your will for my life? Show me in the clouds. And you're looking around, like God, speak to me. Please just speak to me. I want to know what you want me to do. God, speak to me. And th- a, a few weeks ago, John and I were having this conversation. And we're, the TV's on. We're not, I mean, we're just t- chit chatting, n- nothing real. And I'm like, John, and I'm scrolling. And I'm like, John, I think I need to get a welding machine to, uh, so I can help Jessica with projects. And I can build some furniture. And I love building stuff. And so, and as I'm scrolling on social media, a welding machine thing comes up. And I'm like, it's God's will. God is speaking to me. It's not that's not what happened there. Like that was the meta, meta meta Facebook looking like listening to me. Like that's what was happening. Y'all see that weird announcement? Mark Zuckerberg is an alien. And I'll put money on that. He's an alien. Anyway, don't please don't get me started. This is what we do. We say, God, speak to me. Show me what your will is for my life. You're like, show me in the clouds or show me on this piece of toast that I get. Like, this is, this is the face of Mary. I must need to go to church. It's like, discerning the will of God, whenever you, think of, look back in your life. And think about what was God doing there? You can almost see it so crystal clear. Like, oh, God was doing that so that I, the reason I didn't die was so that I could go to church. The reason I didn't kill that person was so that I could go to church. This is my story. This is my story. Like, the reason that, that gun didn't go off is so that I could lead a church in New Braunfels. Like, that's why that happened. And we look back and we see it so clearly. Can you do that in your life? Question mark. Yeah, I think a lot of us can look back in our life and see what God was doing because it's was, it was really clear. God's not going to tell you every single detail about your life because that's why you have faith. That's where your work comes in. You have to have faith. You don't have to, you're not going to know all the things. We, we as a generation, we lack faith because we want all the details. We want to know like as, as if we're entitled to getting all the details. And God will give you the next step, whatever the next step is. He's going to give you just the next step. Maybe you'll have some faint idea about what the future holds, like some direction to go in, but he's not going to give you all the details. If today, before you walk out of this room, you decide, you know what? I'm going to give Jesus my whole heart and my whole life. And I'm going to, every single decision I make, I'm going to base it off of what I feel like, truly feel like Jesus is speaking to me. If if you were to do that, and we could, I could fast forward one year and show you all of the things you, that happened in this past year. You would run away screaming because you would say, "There's no way, there's no way." Some of you right now, like in a year from now, you're going to be preaching. You're gonna, maybe not even here. But you're going to be standing in front of a group of people and preaching the gospel. And right now, you think, "No way, not me." I, you, if you will. Just submit your heart. You don't want to do the thing and then you do the thing. A lot of times you do the thing and then you want to do the thing. And that's the way it works with God. Like you don't... Before you knew Jesus, you didn't want to stop drinking. But once you knew Jesus, you wanted to stop drinking. Like you, you, you have the power to overcome. You have the power to do the thing. You don't want it first. You do it first and then you want it. Are y'all with me? Yeah, okay. So, so I'm going to give you the secret to knowing God's will, this is like get ready because you're, you're gonna write it down. Get ready, to write it down. This is a secret. No one knows the secret. Okay, this is how to know the will of God for your life. <laughs> Shh! Don't don't tell anyone, guys. We want the secret stay within Life Church. Okay, don't tell anyone. If you want to know what the will of God is, you want to know what God wants you to do with you, in your finances. You want to know what God wants you to do in your marriage. You want to know what God wants you to do in your business. You want to know how God wants you to raise your kids. It's in there. It's in there. It's not a secret. You know, I talk to people about health a lot. Um, and we talk about the, the secret to being healthy. It's a secret. Again, I don't want you to tell anybody. Diet and exercise. Shh. Don't tell anyone. If, if everyone understood that, then like millions of personal trainers would be out of a job. Diet and exercise, it's not a secret. Read the Bible. It's not a secret. Read the Bible and you will find what God's will for your life is. In, in Matthew 25, it says that, how, how do you know? Like what's, what's your will for us? Feed the hungry. Visit those in prison, take care of the widows, clothe the naked. It's so simple and obvious. And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know the Bible says that. but what's His will? It's that. It's, it's that that he just said. It's that. That's the one. Do those things. He, he says a lot of things. that People think of Christianity as like, there's a lot of stuff I can't do. You're right. Here's, there's a list of, of all these things you can't do. So Don't murder. Don't gossip. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't disrespect your parents. Don't get drunk. There's a whole bunch of things you're not supposed to do. But no, you didn't need to read that in the Bible before you knew not to do that. You don't, you don't go around saying, God, is it your will? If I murder my neighbor, please send me a sign in the clouds. And then you see a cloud shaped like a gun. You're like, well, there you go. (laughs) It tells you a bunch of things you're not supposed to do, but it also tells you a lot of things you're supposed to do. Love, give, worship, sacrifice, forgive people. You've been forgiven, so you're supposed to forgive. Be holy as I am holy. You should be holy uh, the question is not if you know, the question is if you obey. So it's like people say, you know, I'm praying about getting baptized. Oh, I can just save your prayer time. Get baptized. You don't have to pray about that. You don't need discernment to find out. Am I supposed to do what, what the Bible very clearly says to do? Yes, you're, you are. You're supposed to do that thing. So you don't have to find out for discernment for you. Does God want me to get baptized? Yes, he does. Jesus did it. And Jesus said, well, the reason I'm going to do this is because I want to fulfill all righteousness. If you want to do all the things right, go get baptized. If you're in here and you've been thinking about, should I get baptized? Yes. Yes, you should. Because the Bible says to. That's God's will for your life is that you get baptized. Okay? So you know the right things and the wrong things, and where you come to an area where you're like, I'm not sure what the right thing and the wrong thing is. For instance, if you say, I don't know what college I'm supposed to go to, what's right and what's wrong, then that's where you're you're looking for the discernment. What is God's will? When you're doing the things that he clearly lays out as his will, the specific things start to pull at your heart. The, The specific things for you start to pull at your heart and they start to pull you in a direction that... Maybe you wouldn't have gone on your own, but when you're obedient, uh, the things start to make themselves clear. When If you are being mentored by someone, and every one of us should be being mentored by someone, we really all, if we're a Christian, we should be, be being mentored by someone, we should be mentoring someone that is below us, and we should be partners with people that we can help each other, equals, right? So... um the one, another way that you find out, is this God's will for me, is you ask the people around you, like the people that you love and respect and trust. Like, hey, do you feel, I feel like God is telling me this. Can you pray with me Is and find out, is this God? The person that's discipling you, is this God? And if it is, it's going to be confirmed. I had a friend, one of my best friends, and he was the youth pastor at the church that I was at before I was. and, and, the only reason I became the youth pastor is because of the story I'm about to tell you. So he moved from California to Texas. People do that nowadays. Um, He moved from California to Texas and he moved there in order to be the youth pastor at our church. And so many fantastic, great things were happening. God put plans in his heart and, and lined up so many things in his life that it was obviously God. And so The church that he came from, his home church that he grew up in, a year after he moved with us, they got rid of their youth pastor. So they called him and said, hey, bud, we want you to come back and be our youth pastor. And so he tells me, he's like, hey, I'm thinking about going back. I was like, oh, no, that's like God has plans for you here. It's very obvious, you know, and he's like, he's like, well, I feel like this is something that I really want to do. And I'm like, yeah, you're not saying the right things, bud. like this is you doing what you want to do. Instead of you doing what you know for sure God has called you to do. And so um, he's like, well, I'm just, you know, I've asked God to show me a sign. Be very careful asking God to show you a sign. A wicked and adulterous generation asks God for a sign. God has given us plenty of signs, okay? So he says, I've just asked God to give me a sign, like to show me uh, if it's his will, literally when he tells me this, two days later, the guy's in the hospital. He has a staph infection so bad he's got to be put on IVs. And so I go and visit him in the hospital. I'm like, look, it's not too late. You can like turn, turn, because he had decided he's going. I was like, you can still turn around and be like, no, uh, uh, I want to stay. And he's like, what? This, this is nothing. I'm like, seriously, how stupid are you? Like, this is obviously, you said, God, show me if I go my own way, what will happen. And you decided to go your own way, so God says, okay, go your own way, and I will let you have whatever you want. Like, and that's how God operates in our life. He doesn't force us to do the right thing. We choose to do the right thing. When we choose to do the right thing, we're under God's authority. We're under his umbrella of protection. Whenever we start doing things our own way, we step out from under, on purpose, step out from under the authority of his protection, and we do things our own way. And then now we're open to elements of many things that he allows to come against us, so that we get back under his authority. Are you following me? Okay. So this guy, uh, he says, no, it's nothing. Like it's a small thing. He's like, bro, you're in the hospital. Like it's not a small thing. And he's like, yeah, it's it's cool, it's cool. So it's going to be two weeks before he moves. So and I'm like, I'm hardcore going after it. He's telling people, look, I feel like God's telling me. And people are like, well, do whatever you feel like God's telling you to do. Like, you know how dangerous it is to tell people, hey, do whatever you feel like God's. It's dangerous because sometimes. What you want God to tell you to do is what you think God's telling you to do. That ever happened to you? It's happened to me a bunch of times. And so there are two people in his life that, that were mentors to him, and I was one of them. The other one was our, our pastor. And we're both saying, bro, you are making a mistake. Stop in your tracks. Stop. You don't have to do this. Don't do this. You're stepping outside of God's will for your life. It's obvious. And so he continues. I'm helping him load his U-Haul, putting his furniture. And with every piece of furniture, I'm like, bro, Stop. And he's like, like, he's so tired of it by now. Like, but I, I, I'm a little tenacious, okay? So I stayed with it. We get done. I pray for them to have a safe journey if they have to do it. Um, so they leave Angleton, which is about three hours from here. They're driving down I-10 and the, the U-Haul breaks down in San Antonio. Literally, like the engine stops, like breaks down. And so they call the mechanics out. They can't fix it. They have to take all of their stuff, just him and his wife, all their stuff out of one U-Haul, and put it in another U-Haul. U-Haul doesn't do that for you, in case you're wondering. And so they have to move it all. It takes hours. They lose a whole day on this. And so isn't that crazy? Like, you would think. He calls me and tells me what happened. I'm like, bro, turn around, dummy. Like, turn around. So he, he doesn't turn around. He keeps going. They get, in the, they get to El Paso. You're not going to believe this. That U-Haul breaks down. Completely shuts down. The engine doesn't work. They have to move their stuff out of another U-Haul. And so then you're like, okay, obviously he gets it, right? Nope. Nope. He would already set his mind. He's like, oh, this is Satan. Satan's trying to stop me. Yeah, You do that too, don't lie. It's like, (laughs) the devil made me do it. So then they get everything in the U-Haul. They're on their way out. Right before the state line, their car breaks down going to cost them two more days of, you think somebody says, pray and give me a sign. And I'm telling him this. I'm like, look, man, you are the idiot that said, pray and give me a sign. Like, how many signs do you need? Like, God's smacking you in the face with signs. Like, why are you not listening? And so he gets, he gets uh, once they cross the state, the state line of heaven, I mean, Texas, um, <laughs> once, they, once they leave Texas, they are like, they make it all the way back to California. And two months later, they're divorced. Like what, what happens when you step outside of the protection of God is like the elements. And when you ask God for a sign, you ask him what his will is. Like he, it's obvious to you what his will is. When you're obedient and you're trusting that you're doing the right thing because you have, this, you have these mentors in your life that are, that are uh, speaking into your life and they're helping you along the way, when, when you're doing it, you don't have to worry about all the other things. You don't have to worry about stepping outside because if you have a good mentor, they'll come up behind you and gently <laughs> slap you on the head. are like, what's wrong with you? You're being stupid. Listen to them. If they're a trusted leader, listen to them. They are are doing that for your own good. In Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. Your mind is being transformed in obedience. You will learn to discern God's will for your life by your obedience to the very clearly written out words of the Bible. You want to know what God's will is? Do what the Bible says to do. Like, that's like, wow. Just poof. It's so obvious and so clear. And we want the crystal ball. We want, we want the, the sign in the clouds. And it's not all that. It's not all that. It's the word of God. You have it on your shelf. You have the app in your phone. You want to know what God wants you to do with your life? Do those things. It'll, it'll become abundantly clear. So, let's finish this. Uh, then why are you baptizing if you are neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. He's like, I'm not even worthy to be a slave to, to Jesus. John is pointing, everything in his life is pointing toward Jesus. John knew who he, he wasn't. He says, I'm not the Messiah, but he knew who he was. He's like, I'm just a voice in the wilderness calling out for you. Do you know where your identity is found? Because if your primary identity is found in being a Republican or being a conservative or being a Democrat or being a liberal or being uh, whatever your job title is or being uh, whatever wherever you're finding your identity, It should first be found that you are His, that you are a child of God first before everything else. And if you're a child of God first before everything else, then that's the filter you see everything through. All the decisions in your life that you make have to go through that filter first. Once they're allowed to go through that filter, then you can start making the other decisions of, well, because I'm a conservative, I believe this and I'm going to do this. Or because I'm liberal, it's hard for me to say. I'm going to do this or be this. Like, because I am this thing, but you're, 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 Jesus, you're God's kid first and foremost and most, right? right. right. So when you, when you understand that your parents, your birth parents, they didn't choose you. They had you and they probably love you probably gave them plenty of reasons not to, but they probably love you, and, but God chose you. You are his adopted kid. He saw you in the window of the puppy store, and he picked you. Like, puppy store thing? Like, he adopted you because he wanted you. He chose you on purpose because he loves you. That's how valuable you are to him. You, to God, you are worth dying for. That's the value that he sees in you you're worth it to him. He picked you on purpose. And because of that, you can know he has a plan for your life that is very detailed. He he has a direction that he wants you to go, and he's not hiding those plans. They're not in a locked box where he's like, I'll just reveal this little bit because he wants you to live in that fullness. And all you have to do is do the things that you know to do. Where when you mess up, stop, turn around, repent. That's what repent means, turn around. You realize you're in a place that you're not supposed to be? Stop. As soon as you realize it, stop. Turn. You realize you clicked one too many times. Stop. Turn it off. Repent. And, and God's not sitting there with, with arms folded, tapping his foot, mad at you because you messed up. That's not how he operates. He's this guy. He's standing there with open arms like, come on. Come on. I love you. I'll do anything for you. Come on. I want to I want to hold you now. God, we thank you so much that you love us to death. That you love us so much that you have a plan for our lives that is detailed and intricate and that you continue to to call us no matter how far we run away as hard as we can, that you continue to chase after us. And that whenever we whenever we stop and and we stop doing the things that we want to do, and we trust your plan, and we do the things that you have called us to do. We do the things that we know that that we know is right in our hearts. That's when those things start to fall into place. Though so it's not easy, you empower us to do all those things. We thank you, God. We also lift up tonight's event to you, that Fall Fest would draw people from all areas of the city and the county. All areas of our state. The people would not even know why they're coming. But tonight, literally, a Kit Kat could lead to someone's salvation. We thank you that you're so good and you're so loving and that you're so caring that you have made us able to do a thing like this. So now, Lord, we are your submitted servants. Use us, send us. We will do whatever it is you call us to do. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.